0: Will well-regulated militia be necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm glad you're with us on the program today. Coming up here in just a matter of moments, we're going to talk with Amy Swear of the Heritage Foundation. About a, a situation that we've seen actually earlier this year, and now it seems to be rearing its ugly head again, talking about the uh, delays for those who are uh, hoping to exercise their Second Amendment rights. But in order to do so, they've got to get their government-mandated permission slip, whether it's a owner's identification card in uh, Illinois or an FID card in New Jersey or a pistol purchase permit in North Carolina or New Jersey, or even just the delays that were seen for concealed carry licenses. I mean, already right now, there are hundreds of thousands of Americans who are being impacted by this. Their rights are on hold because issuing authorities not only have been deluged with an influx of of new gun owners and would-be gun owners, uh, but also because of the coronavirus closures that may have shut offices down, uh, limited office hours to appointment only. And so you've got this huge backlog that's just been growing throughout the year. Well, now things can be about to get exponentially worse because we're seeing another round of these coronavirus closures start to take effect. In New Jersey, the courts have just shut down for a second time. Uh, Governor Gavin Newsom actually being taken to court over his coronavirus closures. And I wanted to talk with Amy Swear of the Heritage Foundation about the legal potential for relief for these would-be gun owners whose rights aren't just being delayed, in my opinion. They are being denied while they're stuck in this legal limbo. Take a look and a listen. Hey, Amy, thank you so much for coming on the program. It's good talking with you today.
1: Yeah, good to be back. Thank you for having me.
0: You bet. Uh, You know, I'm I'm getting a little worried uh, looking around the country and seeing the latest round of coronavirus closures. A lot of states moving backwards. Uh, I mentioned a couple minutes ago that uh, New Jersey actually shutting down its court system for the second time this year. Are are you concerned that that's going to lead to Another round of, you know, um, delays for folks who are trying to apply for their concealed carry license or, or even in some states simply apply for their permission slip to own a firearm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've already seen just how backed up uh, a lot of these permitting applications are in a lot of places. And I, honestly, it's, in some places, it almost seems like uh, you know, they, they were just so recently getting back into the swing of, not doing appointment only, that uh, it's less so that you're going to see a second round of it and more almost just that it's going to be building off of the first round. I mean, you look at um, Allegheny County, uh, Pennsylvania, which is the Pittsburgh area, one of the biggest uh, counties in Pennsylvania. That was appointment only until just about two weeks ago. Finally, just started taking walk-ins, was going to do this big drive-through concealed carry permitting event. And now it has canceled that event. It's gone back to appointments only. You know, and, and you look as of early October, the earliest available appointments then were in March of 2021. Um, you know, you see the same thing in uh, Wayne County, Michigan, which is the Detroit area. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had a local news outlet that just last week, you know, tried to set up a, an appointment for uh, permitting there. And they're looking at nine months. The earliest they could get already was July 12th, 2021. And so, you know, the longer these coronavirus shutdowns continue or to go back to continuing, the more backed up these processes are going to get. And so it's just going to keep building on top of that in so many places.
0: You know, we've we've seen some legal challenges that have been filed already uh, around the country in that first round of of coronavirus closures. But. Um, you know, it, it it takes a while. The The court system itself uh, in many states, as I just mentioned, has been kind of shut down. So these cases have have not progressed to the point where, you know, the Supreme Court could consider one of these issues. But what do you think about the legal arguments that a, at some point, um, if the state can't comply with, with with its own mandates to, you know, to process these permits within 14 days or 30 days or 45 days, um, that they're not just you know, delaying people's right to keep and bear arms, but, but those people's rights are being outright denied and infringed on.
1: Yeah, so this is actually something you're seeing. Uh, a number of these lawsuits, um, there was already one in the works in Chicago um, that uh, we, we've talked about over at the Heritage Foundation, where, uh, you know, in that state they have, I think it's 60 days under state law to either um, confirm or deny that application. And in some cases, you know, you're seeing 90 days, 100 plus days um, before they're getting that in. And, and a lot of that was actually a problem pre-coronavirus, again, sort of compounding that. Um, you know, so I, I think you've seen a couple of things now that we've been, what is this, nine months now of coronavirus. You have seen at least some places with respect to renewals of permits, you know, making extensions, making accommodations for those seeking to renew uh, permits that might be expiring, um, but that's it you already have the permit in the first place. Right. That's of no help, people already have those, uh, who are looking to get those first permits. Um, You know, I I think some of those initial lawsuits were good um, for places like like, uh, California, some areas of California that were just going to shut down your ability to purchase a gun altogether. Um, So at least now a lot of them are taking appointments and, you know, it's a slow process, but it's still a process. Um, So there there has been some good coming out of even just these initial lawsuits. Um, But again, you know, This is starting to get, if you didn't already think it was problematic, when you're looking at places that are now nine months out setting appointments, um, this starts getting legally problematic. You can go back and forth sort of where is that line, uh, you know, where where is that gray area between, well, we're trying and we just can't do it, and now you're infringing on someone's rights, uh, you you know, in a clear, unconstitutional way. And I think you're getting very, very close to that line where it's just unquestionable. You know, when you're keeping people from getting permits or from getting guns even for for up to nine months up to a year, that's that's clearly constitutionally problematic, Um, and and it's just going to keep getting worse. And and I don't know what the answer is. If you have, on the one hand, legally mandated coronavirus shutdowns, and on the other hand, the the balancing of your Second Amendment rights, I, I don't know how courts are going to handle that. Uh, and I, I don't know what the answer is. And, and so it will be interesting to see how this plays out or even just from a practical perspective of, you know, how do you force them to to go faster? How do you force them to have more resources?
0: Right. Uh, and it's it just... Well, it is, it, 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 you know, again, I mean, obviously from a rights perspective, you know, we're very concerned about this, but from a, from a legal perspective, again, I mean, a lot of these are unsettled issues because we've never really gone through anything like this. I mean, the last time we had a... Uh, a pandemic that you know impacted a uh, government and society the way that uh, COVID has. You got to go back a, a century, um, and right. you know concealed carry licenses really weren't much of a thing a uh, hundred years ago. But but now, as you say, you get to a case where, and as you know, in in Philadelphia, it's over a year. Uh, right now, if if you you know called the Philadelphia Police Department today and said I want to make an appointment for my uh, to drop off my concealed care application, not to have it processed, but just to drop off your application, they're going to tell you to come back uh, more than a year from now. But as you say, in in states like you know Illinois, where a Foyd card is required to own a firearm legally, right. and they're still dealing with these delays, you know, I, again, unfortunately, the courts have not fleshed out a lot of Second Amendment cases dealing with our right to carry, our right to bear arms. But Supreme Court has stated unequivocally, right? It, we have a fundamental right, right. Uh, of self-defense in our home. Uh, and so to me, it, it, it is both legally but practically speaking as well, um, it's it, it's, a, it's a huge issue. Because if you've got in, in Illinois, I think right now, they've got a backlog of like 42,000 applications.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and it's yeah. taking and, months. And the
1: thing is, I don't, I don't see these slowing down. I mean, no. so, you know, they, there were some people who I, I, who, you know, seemed to be under the impression that once the election was over and once that initial rush to get guns was over, that this would slow down. And I just don't see that happening. I mean, you look at even here in DC, um, I personally had to recently go through my, my, uh, Kintil renewal process and, and doing the class all over again. Um, and, and you had classes just sold out all over the place, left, right, and center. Um, you know, th- this is not slowing down. This is going to continue backing up. And, and it's, you know, it's interesting because you look at this again from a legal perspective. It's clearly uh, infringing on, on rights. But from a practical perspective of, you know, can a court just now say, okay, the, the, there, there is no more Ford system in, in Illinois. Everyone can get a gun if they want. Um, you know, it's, it's just going to be interesting in sort of a state by state process of what courts do from a practical perspective of forcing, uh, Forcing these government agencies to go faster, uh, you know, and it, it it's going it's just going to be interesting to follow.
0: Well, you know, and, and I'm wondering specifically about like Illinois. Um, as you say, there were lawsuits that were already underway before COVID even hit. Uh, Because the delays at that point, you were looking at, you know, four or five month delays. And the Illinois State Police said, well, look, we just don't have enough uh, people who are processing these. We're going to hire more people, we swear. Uh, Gun groups had said, you know, look, the Illinois State Police was uh, was pulling money out of this program uh, and uh, diverting these resources elsewhere. So there were already, as you say, lawsuits underway. But but given the fact that now these delays have grown exponentially worse, does that does that? Add some extra legal heft to the argument uh, on the part of, you know, groups like the Second Amendment Foundation or the Illinois State Rifle Association who are who are arguing that, look, our rights are are, are being curtailed here uh, because we're being stuck in this legal limbo. Now that the problem has gotten worse and, and more people, I mean, the delays are longer, but more people are impacted as well. Does that is, you know, is that something that could give a judge uh, a reason to, to, you know, give one of these cases a second look?
1: Yeah, why? Well, absolutely. Because, again, sort of as these cases continue to back up and now you're looking at not just, you know, five months, six months, you're looking at a year, a year and a half. Uh, the longer that stretches out, the, the bigger and more significant of a burden and a barrier that is to, to the exercise of a Second Amendment right. I mean, that, that is just objectively the case, that it now increases the, the burden that the state has imposed on your ability to exercise that right. Um, and so, of course, it, it, makes it, you know, a more compelling argument. Um, and it's, you know, it's interesting in particular, you bring up the Illinois case where, where some of the allegations there are that, you know, that, this goes back a ways that they've been, uh, you know, siphoning off funds that were meant to fix this exact problem and, and, uh, you know, the, sort of the self-imposed problem, um, uh, that, that, you know, the, the self-inflicted wound where they've been underfunding it for years and now all of a sudden you have the sort of worst-case scenario, right, where, um, you know, you, you have coronavirus and you have this this um, uh, dramatically increased demand for it and they couldn't do it when it was normal. So they certainly can't do it now and it's sort of their own fault. Um, you know, it's it certainly, and it all just gets back to that initial issue, right? That, that these are all government imposed barriers. The, these were regulations and frameworks that were set up by government. In some cases with sort of this, this underlying feeling of yeah, we're doing this on purpose to slow down demand for guns, mm-hmm. um, and now it's sort of coming back around to to bite them in the rear end legally speaking because these were things that they did on purpose in the first place, uh, and it's you know you know this isn't some sort of naturally occurring phenomenon; it's it's naturally occurring coronavirus phenomenon now in, imposed together with the framework they intentionally created to slow this down. Yeah. Um, so they they can't just say, oh, well, we, well, we had nothing to do with this. So, of course you did. You created this framework with this intent. And, you know, sorry, coronavirus happened and it's fighting you in the rear end.
0: Yeah. And, you know, and it's 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 interesting to me because, I mean, not only have they created this framework, but but they've created a crime where none existed before. Right. Um, you know, if, if it were not for this regulatory scheme and again, I'm just going to stick with Illinois, where, you know, every legal gun owner has to have a firearms owner identification card okay, well, you've now created the crime of illegal gun possession if you have a firearm without a FOID card. Uh, and I, I'm i just guessing, Amy, that there are some individuals in, in the state of Illinois and, and across the country who are otherwise legal law-abiding citizens, but they've made that choice of, you know what, I'm not going to be defenseless, I'm not going to be unable to protect myself and my kids, um, I'm going to go ahead, I'm going to... Have my gun. Hopefully, I get my FOID card four months from now or five months from now, or wherever. But but in the meantime, I'm not going to be disarmed and defenseless. And and I know that those people exist out there. And you know, I, they're they're breaking the law, but they have no uh, real violent criminal intent. The reason why they're breaking the law is because the state of Illinois is not uh, not upholding the law that they put in place.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I agree with you. I think that's almost certainly the case, you know, regardless of where any individual falls and you know, should you promote the breaking of the law if your life is in danger or, you know, as you see these sort of violent riots and civil unrest across cities. Um, but I think just as a matter of being realistic, that is almost certainly the case. Um, you know, you see this with people who are applying for concealed carry permits, especially, um, you know, I think to me that would be sort of the, the interesting legal case that breaks the system right is you have someone who has to defend their life while illegally carrying or illegally possessing a, a firearm and and then there's the state to, to charge them with it uh, you know what what would the state do in, in that regard say well you tried to get a, a firearm legally and we kept you from doing so and it turns out you really actually did need that firearm to defend yourself Um you know, it, it's just an interesting question. of I, I don't know what a state does in, in that point. You know, does a state really want to push that issue on constitutional grounds? And I, I don't know what the answer is. Yeah. Uh, so, but I think you're right that there are there are going to be a lot of people in, in very precarious legal situations um, until states get this sorted out, until you know, counties get this sorted out, and, and allow people to exercise their constitutional rights in a timely manner.
0: Absolutely. Well, again, as I said, multiple court challenges underway, hopefully uh, within the next, you know, before the vaccine becomes widely available. Uh, I mean, it looks like, you know, they're talking still about nine months maybe or or more before things start to get back to normal. So, um, you know, we do have time for these issues to get resolved legally. But uh, in the meantime, you know, not not a lot of good news for for gun owners in these jurisdictions that that simply aren't upholding, uh, you know, their end of the statutory requirements, unfortunately.
1: No, not at all. But I, I think in, in the long run, this is good news for the Second Amendment. Uh, you know, the, these are going to force courts to analyze a lot of these issues. And I think, you know, again, even from a legislative practical matter, you're you're seeing now people who otherwise may not have thought a whole lot about the implications of gun laws, who are seeing just how quickly um, these things, even under normal circumstances, but then, you know, again, when you throw in the abnormal circumstances of, of global pandemics, um, you know, they're seeing just how quickly these, you know, what they thought were just normal minor barriers become very quickly uh, essentially extinguishing Second Amendment rights for people. So I think going forward, you're going to see a lot of people start rethinking the implications of these laws when they come up for passage.
0: I hope so, uh, and I am hopeful that the Supreme Court is going to take an interest in at least one of these cases uh, when they get a chance to weigh in as well. Uh, Amy Swear with the Heritage Foundation, thank you as always for coming to the program. It's so good talking with you, and hope we get a chance to do this again soon.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I appreciate Amy joining us on the program. Now let's get to today's Armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, our recidivist report. We will start there with a, a story out of North Carolina, a... Uh, Murder over the weekend in Concord, North Carolina, where an employee at uh, Discount Tire shot and killed what police are calling a totally random event. It started as a verbal dispute, turned into a standoff when uh, store employees told police that the uh, suspect uh, uh, inside the store, along with a uh, store employee, 27-year-old Terrence Wallace of uh, China Grove, who was shot and killed. uh, After a four-hour standoff, police were able to take the suspect in custody, uh, Jeremy Spann, was arrested, taken to a local hospital for an unrelated medical condition. Uh, according to Fox 8 in uh, North Carolina, Span is a convicted felon uh, who has been arrested four times in the past two and a half years, including for assault on a female, as well as a felony probation violation. But apparently, none of those arrests, uh, even for felony probation violation, led to Span spending any meaningful amount of time behind bars. So he was out on the streets in possession of an illegally obtained firearm, again, when he is alleged to have shot and killed the uh, 27-year-old Wallace over the weekend. Today's Armed Citizen story from West Virginia, where a a man uh, has been arrested for burglary after a homeowner ended up uh, holding the suspect at gunpoint for police. Yeah, you can see that's uh, Henry Stuck there of uh, Kanawha County, West Virginia. Uh, who was uh, taken into custody after he tried to break into a home. Not a lot of details on this case, but we do know that the uh, homeowner able to uh, detain Mr. Stuck without firing a single shot, uh, like the vast majority of defensive gun uses around the country. No shots were fired, but uh, this story, again, has a happy ending, at least for uh, the homeowner, perhaps not for uh, Mr. Stuck, who is again, behind bars and facing charges. And uh, finally today, our good deed of the day from the uh, great state of Kansas where a um, uh, would-be police officer uh, aided by the owner of Dumb Wire Guy Automotive Electrical. Uh, Greg Whitley is the owner. He said, I saw this guy go by and his motorcycle had a flat tire. So the shop owner decided that he was going to help. Um, he uh, gave the uh, stranded man a ride to uh, a- an appointment. He said, you could tell he needed a hand up. He wasn't looking for a handout. He's new to the area. He had actually lost his wallet, so he didn't know anybody in the area. He didn't have any family or friends. was kind of in a pinch. Well, the guy that Whitley helped out is a man named Darius Ousley, uh, who is a current recruit for the Wichita Police Department. And uh, he actually made his appointment, thanks to Whitley, Uh, But again, now is apparently on the uh, short list to become an officer. The 23-year-old passed the testing that is needed to uh, become a recruit there in Wichita. He said, it's something I've always wanted to do since I was a kid. I did also have a mentor. I was in the wrong direction at first, and they pretty much put me back on track. So there you go, in the right place, at the right time, willing to to do the right thing, and uh, maybe Help a a young man get a job with the Wichita Police Department. Greg Whitley, the owner of Dumb Wire Guy Automotive Electrical. We thank you, sir, for your very good deed. That is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Barion Arms Cam & Company. want to thank you for being a part of the program as well. Don't forget, you can subscribe to Town Hall Media on YouTube. That way you'll never miss a program. And if you just want the audio version, we've got you covered there too. Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, you can find us there. Probably some other places, too, uh, but certainly where your uh, favorite podcasts are found. We'll be back tomorrow with more of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. But in the meantime, thanks for being a part of the program today. Until we talk again, be well, be safe, be free. And we'll see you soon with another edition of Bearing Arms Cam & Company.